He sat in his living room trying to make sense of the last two months. His company was more powerful, more profitable than ever, but he wasn't any happier. Because of his position in the company, he saw the inner office memos and his higher-ups. He knew they couldn't make sense of the last two months either. He was the centurion in the indomitable Roman army. Had he lived closer to Jerusalem, he might have been the one in charge of crucifying Jesus, but he lived miles away. Cornelius knew a lot about Jesus, but he didn't really know Jesus. But Cornelius feared God. He loved God, prayed to God, gave alms to help the people of God. Cornelius heard the rumors that Jesus of Nazareth claimed to be God, but Cornelius was in the military, not the ministry. What does he know about theology? It really was a shame what his colleagues did to Jesus because Jesus had done so much good. Even if he wasn't God in flesh, the blind still picked up painting and the mute still started singing. Explain that. But Rome publicly humiliated and crucified Jesus. When Cornelius woke the next Monday and opened his email, he read that Jesus' tomb was empty. And nobody had gone toe-to-toe with Rome and Juan in his lifetime. But nobody had ever gone toe-to-toe with death and Juan. Ever. The Romans accused the disciples, but Cornelius knew better. Even if Jesus' scared-to-death disciples overpowered the armed soldiers and managed to roll away the sealed stone, one of those disciples would have caved in interrogation under the threat of death. Find Jesus' body and crush Christianity before it begins. But nobody found his body. None of the disciples caved. But the tomb was still empty. Explain that. Cornelius sat in his living room trying to make sense of the last two months, but he couldn't. So Cornelius did the only thing he knew to do. He prayed. Around three o'clock in the afternoon, Cornelius got alone with God, and God answered his prayer and told him to send for a preacher named Simon. Cornelius sent for Simon and waited for him to get there, if he would even come. Cornelius was a Roman, a Gentile. Simon was a Jew. The Jews didn't really think the Gentiles deserved to hear the gospel. But thankfully God did, and he sent the preacher to preach the gospel to the soldier. Good day to you, Simplify friends. You are listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to part three of three of this little mini-series of the gospel. And this one's called The Holy Spirit. Nobody would have signed Cornelius up as a candidate for the gospel. Why would a Roman ever want anything a crucified Jewish carpenter had to offer? But there were times Cornelius prayed. I'm sure he prayed, God, I want to know you. Some say you're him, you're her, you're it, you're them, you're here, you're there, you're everywhere. But but I want to know you. Cornelius loved God, even though he didn't really know God. A couple days later, an entourage drove down his drive. And when Peter walked in the door, he saw a rough, tough, gruff Roman centurion soldier. Imagine how scared Simon Peter must have been walking into the house of a Roman centurion whose buddies just nailed Peter's master and pastor to a cross. But this Roman centurion, who commanded a hundred lethally trained soldiers, fell to his knees to worship a preacher whose boss, his boss, just crucified. Peter was surprised, a little bit embarrassed. He said, get up, man, get up. I put on my robe two legs at a time just like you. Get up. Peter looked at the centurion and saw the hard shell, the battle scars, the tattoos, all of the swords and the sword cabinet. But he did not see Cornelius' hungry heart, but thank God God did. When Peter surveyed the room, he looked around and saw people he never expected to see in church. 
Shouldn't we? I want to see every addict who's tired of addiction, every drunk who's tired of drinking, every prodigal who's tired of running, every sinner who's tired of sinning. I want to see everyone who wants to know Jesus. I want to see them in church or online looking for God. I want to see them because God does. Cornelius had gathered his household to hear what the preacher had to say. If anybody could make sense of the last two months, Reverend Peter would. So he began preaching. He started at Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. I imagine Peter had one of those preacher voices. Peter walked through Jesus' miracles and parables, and he walked Cornelius and his family all the way up to the rugged, bloody middle cross on Calvary. And Peter let Cornelius know Jesus didn't come to make you happy. He came to make you holy. In his mind, seeing Jesus there on the cross, one of the many crosses that he and his other Roman centurion colleagues had crucified others, it made Cornelius shudder with shame. Peter preached the gospel to Cornelius. Hey, your, your, your friends crucified my Jesus. They buried him in a tomb. They sealed it with your indomitable Roman seal, thinking you have canceled him. But three days later, three days later, under the watchful eyes of your Roman watchman, God rolled the stone away and Jesus walked out of the tomb. Your Roman soldiers crucified him. You buried him, but none of your army could keep him in the grave. He rose from the grave. And I know he did because I saw him. We saw him. We were eyewitnesses. And he commanded us to preach this glorious gospel that he is the only one able to forgive us of our sins. Listen, Cornelius, you're going to hear a lot of things from a lot of people about Jesus, but hear this from one who walked with him for three years and saw him alive after three days. Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. While Peter was preaching the gospel, Cornelius opened wide his heart and began to believe, and suddenly God showed up in Cornelius' house. While Peter preached, the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius and his whole household. Peter was still mid-sentence, mid-sermon, and the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius and his family, and all of them were filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Simon Peter's jaw dropped. He could not believe his eyes and ears. This austere, august, muscle-bound Roman centurion who had crucified only God knows how many people sat in his living room with his hands in the air and tears running down his face as he repented of his sins and God filled him with his Holy Spirit. And we know God filled him with the Holy Spirit because God did for Cornelius what he did for Peter. When Peter received the Holy Ghost, he began to praise God in another language. Peter knew Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, but what he heard Cornelius speaking, this wasn't any of those. This was different, but this was that. This was that same experience Peter and his Jewish friends had on the day of Pentecost when they were filled with God's Spirit. Cornelius began praising God, speaking in tongues. It was the telltale way that Peter knew this really was for Cornelius and his family. God really was pouring out his Spirit on them. God gave the same Holy Spirit to a Roman centurion that he gave to a disciple who followed him for three and a half years. This was not diet Holy Spirit or Holy Spirit light or Holy Spirit zero for Roman soldiers. This was the same Holy Spirit Peter had, which tells me if you were raised in church and you can sing all seven verses of Amazing Grace, God wants to fill you with his spirit. Or if you used to make fun of those who were raised in church and you can't sing two lines of Amazing Grace, God wants to fill you with his spirit. And you will know that you know that you know 
You've received his spirit because you will receive his spirit the same way they in the scripture received his spirit. The same way Cornelius and his family knew they received the spirit. The same way Simon Peter knew that Cornelius and his family received the spirit. It was the same way Simon Peter received the spirit. They all began to speak in other tongues as God filled them with his spirit. As you study and search throughout the book of Acts, you'll find this recurring evidence for people who have just been spirit-filled. Just take a look. They all began to worship God in another language they had not yet learned. The Bible calls that speaking in tongues. It is the immediate initial evidence that you have been filled with God's Spirit. It's not the only evidence, but it is the immediate. It's the initial. When we speak about speaking in tongues, people have all kinds of questions. You probably do, too. Wait a minute. What is speaking in tongues? Does the Bible say we must speak in tongues? Does everybody who receives the Holy Spirit speak in tongues? Can you learn how to speak in tongues? Is speaking in tongues still for today? Those are great questions. I'm so glad you asked them. Speaking in tongues is the supernatural gift of speaking in another language you have not yet learned to pray or praise God. I spent four years of high school learning Spanish. I love the Spanish language. I learned how to conjugate verbs. I learned the difference between papa, which means father, and papa, which means potato. Don't want to get those mixed up. Whenever I pray in the Spirit or I pray in tongues, I'm not praying in English or in Spanish. I'm praying in prayer's purest form, beyond the limits of language. I'm not piling up my favorite words for God to make him impressed with how well I can speak. I'm praying beyond the limits of language. It's just God and me. It's not gibberish. It's not nonsense. And it's not just for the Bible days. When we speak in tongues, we're speaking a genuine language known to God, but unknown to us. And there are times when the people around us, they understand what we're saying, even if we don't. Missionary Chris Gibbs to Malawi tells about a story. There was a girl in a remote village in Malawi who was in the altar praying and worshiping God. And suddenly she began to shout and magnify Jesus in perfect, unbroken English. Everybody knew she's been in the village all her life. She can't speak English. She's never learned English. So at the end of service, the English-speaking preacher greeted her in English. And she just looked at him with a thousand-yard stare. She doesn't know English, but she worshiped God in unbroken English when she began to speak in other tongues. Sometimes when we speak in tongues, the people around us, they understand. Other times, it is just between us and God. Either way, it's a supernatural move of God, and it's the immediate initial evidence that we have been filled with God's Holy Spirit, just like they were in the Bible. And God is pouring out His Spirit in our day, just like He did in theirs. When we receive the gift of God's Spirit, we receive so much more than just power to pray in another language. We receive power to be witnesses unto God, Acts chapter 1 to share the gospel with somebody else who needs to hear it. We receive power to overcome temptation and give us victory over sin. That's found in Romans chapter 8. Once Cornelius and his family were spirit baptized, Peter got that look in his eye. And he realized nobody could keep them out of the water since Jesus just filled them with his spirit. So Peter commanded Cornelius and his family to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. In the name of of the one Cornelius' buddies just crucified. That's wonderful to be water baptized, even more so to be spirit baptized, but it is altogether life and eternity changing to be water baptized and spirit baptized. That's called being born again. If you're right with God, you have the greatest gift in all the world. You have hope. If you're not right with God, you need to be. And the gospel preaches that you can be. Here's how. 
We come humbly to God in repentance. Then we take the next step and step into the water to be baptized in Jesus' name to have our sins washed away. And we receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit, just like Cornelius and company received the gift of God's Holy Spirit. We ask, we worship, and God gives. Would you pray with me right now? If you've already received this wonderful Holy Ghost experience, or maybe you've not, it's for you. And if you have received this Holy Ghost experience, give thanks to God that he's filled you with his spirit. And if you've not yet received his spirit, would you pray at this time that God would fill you just like he wants to? Lord Jesus, I thank you today. You are great and greatly to be praised. There is nobody like you, and there's no spirit like your spirit. I pray for everyone who has not yet received the Holy Ghost, that you would fill them. God, I pray for hungry people to be filled with the gift of your spirit. Anyone who wants everything you have to offer them, everything you have to give them, I pray help them to open their heart, and I pray you would open up the heavens and pour out the gift of the Holy Ghost upon them. Give them a wonderful testimony and give them power over sin and help them to be ready for your coming. I pray these things and give praise and thanks to you in Jesus' lovely, lovely name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to Simplify. Thank you especially for praying and asking God for everything he has for you. The Bible promises if you're hungry, he's willing, and he will gladly fill you with every good gift he has for you. So keep praying and seeking after God. If you are looking for a place where you can join in with others, who are pursuing Jesus, please let me know. If you're looking for a church, go to upci.org to find a church nearby you or reach out to me on social media. I want to help you find a church family where you can grow in your faith and your relationship with God and help others to grow in theirs. You can reach out to me on Facebook. I'm there at lj.harry or Instagram and Twitter, lj and Andrea, l-j-a-n-d-a-n-d-r-e-a. Many of you know that our daughter had just undergone spinal fusion surgery, and I am so happy to report that she is doing very well. The pain level is very low, and nausea is very low as well, so I want to thank all of you who have been praying for her and for us. God is certainly at work, and I'm thankful also for everything the teams from Nationwide Children's Hospital here in Columbus have done amazing. We're so blessed to have such great family, church family, friends, and of course, the teams at Nationwide Children's Hospital. So thank you to all of those who prayed and all of those who worked for and on our McKenna. Next week, I want to share with you a devotion that I hope will bring encouragement to you. It's called When We Walk. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.